0: Jackie Scott is a devoted wife, loving mother, a guiding light in her small group, a mentor to fellow women and young mothers, and a dynamic presence within Toastmasters International. Yet her story transcends the role she plays, for Jackie has been intimately acquainted with the depths of grief, both in her capacity as a police chaplain and within her immediate family. Five years ago, tragedy struck when her beloved son, Zach, died at home. This devastating loss set her on a path that no one, not even Jackie herself, could have ever foreseen. Can one truly recover from debilitating grief and loss? How long does it take and what does it take to emerge whole from that abyss? Thanks for joining us as we discuss Jackie's journey. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Rick Shields, your host and the director of the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network. I'm pleased to have Jackie Scott joining me on this podcast. Jackie and John Scott were married in 1986 and are the parents of three sons. She currently serves as a chaplain for the police department in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin, in addition to being a small group leader in her church, being a mentor to other ladies and moms, and being an active member of Toastmasters International. Jackie Scott, thanks so much for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: You know, Jackie, we met nearly 40 years ago. You were a student at Oral Roberts University and did your internship with me at Christian Chaplain Tulsa, where I was a youth pastor in the mid-80s. We had some wonderful and some frustrating times with those kids, but we've been blessed with relationships with many of them throughout the years. Any memories from that time that stick out for you?
1: (laughs) The one that came to mind was a pool party that I was the chaperone for. Yes, that was uh, fun.
0: Well, Jackie, there are a lot of things we could talk about today. We could discuss your work as a chaplain. It would also be interesting to chat about your involvement with Toastmasters International. You and John have been involved in some really great conventions I've had a chance to follow over the years, but those are things that'll need to wait until another time. I've asked you today to discuss a difficult topic with me, and I really appreciate you finding the strength to do this. It's been just a little over five years ago. In fact, it was July 31st, 2018. The tragedy touched your life. Now, listen, I may interrupt occasionally, but please take whatever time you need to let us know what happened.
1: To do that, I need to go back a bit. My son, Zach, was an extremely intelligent, very athletic, lovely young man. He won a scholarship to Minnesota for bio-based product engineering. He was one of 20 kids in the nation that won the scholarship. And we were really excited. So off he went to Minnesota. When you put a lot of really intelligent people together, things can happen. He and this group of brilliant kids decided that it would be fun to test out drugs and their interactions with other drugs to the point that they made a chart. Each person was responsible for two different drugs. At 530 one morning, I got a call from him. He had overdosed and his roommate on an LSD and another substance. And he was calling to say goodbye because he really felt this was that he was going to die. I called the campus police and the campus uh, cop or cops called the ambulance and John and I got in a car and drove the five hours to Minnesota to be there with him. He was fine at that point. Scared, but fine. We brought him home. He went back to college. But that began a spiral of sorts that lasted for 12 years. He ended up having to have, um, at some point he had was playing football. He ended up having to have knee surgery. He came home, had the knee surgery, and they put him on Vicodin. I believe he already had somewhat of an addictive personality, but this just shot him over the top. And he began using cocaine. And I have no idea, honestly, of all the drugs that he began to use. But the one thing he would always say to me is, mom, I'm never going to shoot heroin. I'm not going to stick a needle in my arm until he did. And he did that for a long time.
0: This is not easy for a mom Feeling a call to ministry. You've been doing ministry for years and years. You're you're still, you were at this time still involved in ministry in your local church. And it's not what you raised your kid to do.
1: No. All of our children were raised to love God and love others and to accept him in their lives as their personal savior, which they all did. I used to ask myself, what could I have done differently? We moved when Zach was in sixth grade out to this little town called Exonia. Little farming community, perfect place for raising children, but difficult for a child who, although very intelligent, lacked self esteem, really felt he was never quite measuring up to everyone else, always on the outside looking in. I believe that was one of the things that drew him to the drug community. He was hanging with people who were just like him. So he went in and out of rehab, he got cleaned several times, he did Methadone clinic and he would when he was on methadone he was a student full time he worked as a manager of a Dominos full time and he was on methadone and he excelled at at everything he was doing fantastic but when he would go to an NA meeting they would tell him that he's not really clean because he's still on methadone so he wanted to get off it he got tapered off and i think it was less than 6 months later he was using again To see your son or your daughter or a loved one be tormented and slowly kill themselves, I think that was more difficult than the death. I was helpless in being able to help him. We would take long drives together. We would take long walks together. And we shared everything. I miss my companion because he was funny. And even in the midst of his chaos, he was hilariously funny. I miss that a lot, but I don't miss the constant fear that I lived in. He tried living on his own several times and it never really worked. We had to go and break into his apartment one time because he wouldn't answer his phone and he was drugged out on his bed. And you know, finding him in these particular situations its just, it's heartbreaking. I can't even begin to describe what you feel when you see this and feel, what have I done? What could I have done? And he and I actually had that conversation many times. And his response was absolutely nothing. I made this decision. I set myself on this path. Not you, not dad, not my brothers. It was me. On July 30th, John was traveling and he stopped up to my bedroom. And he said, mom, can we talk? Can I come in and just talk to you? I'm not feeling very good. And I said, oh, honey, I'm so tired. Can we talk tomorrow? Tomorrow didn't come for Zach. The next morning, my alarm went off and he was working at Generac at the time. And I called his phone and nothing. And Zach was not a morning person to begin with, but he never missed work. I yelled down the stairs, Zach, get up. You're going to be late for work and still nothing. And I came downstairs. And he was lying on his floor with his eyes open and his hands above his head. His room was in shambles, like he had fought something in his room. But he was gone. He was had been gone for some time. I immediately, I know you're supposed to call 911, but my husband was traveling and I called him first so that he could get started on his way home. And then I called 911. And then I called my sons. And I called my husband's best friend because... We were actually supposed to get our house sided that day, and I knew they were coming, and I couldn't deal with all of the stuff that was involved with that. So, Gene and Don came over, and I will always appreciate what he did for us that day because he talked to John the whole way home. He took care of all the the siding people, had them come back, and just took care of details that I couldn't handle at the time. I think I was just in shock. You know, I, he had, we had revived him numerous times. So this wasn't the first time. And John would kept saying, no, this is, it's not gone. You just call the ambulance and they'll give him some medication and he'll be fine. You just, that's what we'll do. But I knew it. He was gone and I knew I would never get another opportunity to have that conversation with him.
0: That's hard. I don't mean that tritely when I say that's hard. That is likely something that will always impact you. Yes. That he wanted this conversation, but you were never able to have it. You told me, Jackie, that a few months later, you thought you were handling Zach's death pretty well. What do you mean by that?
1: Literally, before John left on his trip, Zach was standing at the top of our stairs talking to us, and he said to us, I finally get it. I finally understand the difference between surrender. And that was a gift for John and I It was truly a gift. That was John's last conversation with him before he left on his trip. So in my mind, I no longer saw Zach tormented and anxious and paranoid. I saw him at peace. I saw Christ loving him more than I could ever love him. And I took hope and gained strength and peace from that picture in my head. He was, for the first time, he understood what joy was. Because I firmly believe there's a difference between joy and happiness. And he, for the first time, truly understood it.
0: Jackie, I served briefly as a hospice chaplain. And I found that grief seems to always find its way into our life. I can look back when we lost our daughter-in-law nearly four years ago. There was a point in time about three months later when we said, you know, we really think we're doing really well. And then we weren't. So grief always seems to find its way into our life. Sometimes it's immediate. Sometimes it's delayed. In your case, it sounds like your grief was delayed. Do you think that delayed grief is different than that kind of grief that people work through immediately?
1: No, we all have the the journey of grief is not linear. There's not a start and stop date on grief. Everybody has to work through it. What I felt was almost happening to me in a way is that my heart was becoming cold. My joy was being replaced with going through the motions, putting on the happy face at church and still being a group leader, still doing my work as a chaplain, still doing counseling. And yet inside I was dying. And I was becoming ap- very apathetic about everything. And John came to hear these words way too much. He would ask me a question, and my response would always be, I don't care. And it wasn't a blase, I don't care if I have hamburgers or hot dogs for dinner. It was, I don't care because I don't care about anything right now. I was getting up, I was eating, I was walking, but I just didn't care. By the time I understood what was going on, I was frightened in a way. I was in a leadership class with an, two other people with two other couples, and the leader of the class had us read a book on prayer. And I remember very distinctly saying to the class, "I don't know if I believe this anymore. And they wanted clarification. And my response was, "I prayed for my son. And I really believed that I had had a a vision at one point that not only was he going to be healed, I would be introducing him to audiences to show the power that God has over addiction. And instead God chose chose to take him home. And I never got that opportunity to see him flourish and thrive. So if I'm praying for you because you're sick, I don't know if I really believe it anymore. I don't know. I mean if God's will is always perfect, then what's the point? I believe the leader and the other group members were taken aback by the words that came out of my mouth, the the words that they would have never ever expected in a million years for me to say, but that's how I felt.
0: We have a difficult time with real honesty. Don't we?
1: I, I do think that I did cause a reaction in this group of leaders, but it was necessary for me because I had, until you can acknowledge that this is where you're at, you can't move forward. You can't by articulating that out loud, and verbalizing it to people that I respected and cared for, it actually was good for me to do that and good for them to see that it's okay. I haven't lost my faith. I'm just floundering.
0: And it was the beginning of a process for healing for you too.
1: It was, absolutely. It lasted probably about a year and a half, close to two years for me, because it took me a while just to acknowledge it. And able to, and again, those stages of grief that that occur, I I realized I actually did have anger.
0: I yeah, love and as it. you say, they're they're not linear. They also okay. may be repeated. Sometimes we can come back to them.
1: That is true. Uh,
0: yeah, That is
1: absolutely true. And the feelings that you have, you need to acknowledge them because otherwise they they stay inside and they turn around and they will affect absolutely everything you do.
0: Let me take a moment, Jackie, to remind our listeners that we appreciate their feedback. Let us know if we're providing the kind of content that's helpful to you by dropping me an email at info at doorways.cc. And if you have an idea for a guest or a topic, let me know and we'll work at incorporating that topic or guest into our podcast schedule. My name is Rick Shields. I'm your host, the director of the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network. And I'm joined on this episode with Jackie Scott, a friend for nearly 40 years, a wife, a mother, a minister, a police chaplain, and a woman well acquainted with grief after losing her son, Zach, over five years ago. Jackie, you counsel people over the years that have lost loved ones as a chaplain. You've been there when families are notified that a loved one has died, often in tragic circumstances. Did your experience help you in processing your son's death?
1: Yes, I am acquainted with grief. And as I'm ministering to others, in their sorrow i feel we feed we feed each other we do and even someone in their sorrow can look at me with tears in their eyes when they say thank you and i feel like i've done nothing except sit and listen i realize that is a gift to them which takes me immediately back to what god has done for me to sit and listen to me in my torment in my struggle
0: Jackie, what help is available for those who have lost a loved one, whether through natural death or an accident or some other tragic circumstance? What what kind of help is available for them?
1: There are specific counselors out there that deal strictly with grief, with loss of loved ones. I would have people reach out. If you don't have a church body, I would have you do some research and ask around some. I believe from the grief standpoint, I'm a firm believer in counselors, but I'm much more of a firm believer in someone who's a Christian counselor or a pastor that can lead you spiritually as well as psychologically and emotionally through the grief process. Someone that maybe doesn't have a relationship with God or they're floundering in their relationship with God. First of all, know that he's never left you. He's been aware of what's going on the whole time. So call out to him. And then Find someone that can lead you to a person that will help you walk through this walk. There's grief uh, groups that meet. One of them
0: is called Grief Share, and they often meet in churches, but not only in churches. Most funeral homes also have at least occasional meetings where they talk with people about grieving and then can refer you on to other resources if they're available too. Jackie, would you be willing to conclude our time with a word of encouragement on how we can find our way through the grieving process and then pray for those who have heard this podcast and have lost a loved one? Would you do that?
1: Absolutely. Let me encourage anyone out there who's going through a really difficult time and you've lost a loved one. The one thing I did not say on this podcast earlier that may affect more than I realize is Although the initial coroner's report said that my son had died from a heart attack, they did call six months later and tell me that they were changing his death and ruling it as a suicide because they had, uh, his tax report came back and, and there were very high levels of heroin and prescription medications in his system. It that will, that didn't change anything for me because once he's gone, he's gone. But here's what I want to tell you. You're not alone. You are never ever alone. You may feel that no one can understand how you feel and your hurt might go so deep that you feel that you'll never get out of the pit of despair that you find yourself in, but I'm here to tell you that even in our very darkest moments, no matter where we are, that God will never leave us. He is closer and loves us more than anyone in our lives could ever hope to. And he sees us in our despair and he desires To lift us out of that despair. Our part is to allow him and know that it's a process. You're not going to wake up tomorrow and feel completely different, but each day you will feel different. It's been five years and each day I miss my son, but I can say without a shadow of doubt that I know in whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able. God can do what we cannot And if that means pulling us up out of the pit of despair, allow him to do that for you. Let's pray. Father God, you are never caught off guard on our circumstances and you love us unconditionally. There's nothing we need to do to gain your love. You see us through eyes of grace because you see us through Jesus Christ. And you see us in our despair, in our helplessness and feelings of hopelessness. But you love us so much that it is your desire to help us come up out of the muck and mire of grief and despair. I pray for everyone listening today who feels these feelings overwhelm them, that they will look up, if only metaphorically, but just look up and see your hand reaching for them to pull them up out of this pit of despair. You desire for us to have hope and to know joy and abundant life, even in our pain. We may not escape problems because we're Christians, but we know who can take us through our problems because we're Christians. Thank you for that and the promises that you give. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thanks for joining us. I hope you enjoyed our podcast and will follow us or subscribe so you can be notified when new podcasts are released. And please consider sharing it with a friend. Until next time, this is Rick Shields. And on behalf of The Doorways Leadership and Influence Network, here's my prayer for you. May you have rest when you need it, strength when you want it, and joy when you least expect it. Until next time, may the Lord bless you as you follow after him.